Yes, Lord. Your word tells us that we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. And sin won't make it into heaven. So you provided a way. You sent your son. He came to this earth as a baby. Grew to be a young man. Puzzled the religious leaders. Fulfilled the prophecies told about him. That Messiah would come. Messiah will teach. Messiah will eventually be crucified. But that isn't the end. It was a gloomy Saturday. But on Sunday, all things changed. The grave couldn't hold him down. He was sinless. They tried to accuse him of sin, but they never came up with a good one. He has not sinned. And therefore, since sin can't make it into heaven, he had provided us grave clothes. And if we put our faith in his salvation through Christ on the cross, that sin would be washed away. And we will be clean. our spirits will enter into your kingdom someday. And then we'll be resurrected just like Jesus was. Our body resurrected and we will be in your kingdom forever. And we love you, Lord. You provided the way for the kingdom. You didn't leave us out in the dark. You came and rescued us. You've changed our clothes from filthy rags and you put on us a clean white garment and we entered into your feast we will because our sins have been forgiven because we put our faith in Jesus Christ who came, who died who rose the third day Putting our faith in Him, we are saved too. Simple. Religion makes it so hard, Father. Why? Why can't they just believe? Why can't we just believe? Put your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who was sinless, the one who has has created the earth. And we're going to see that today in our study in Ephesians 2. We're going to see a priceless cross and what Jesus did for us. So today, Lord, open our hearts, whether you're online or here at this church, may our hearts be opened by you, may our ears be unplugged, may our sight be clear to see the, the salvation that you provide for us. May we feel your presence in this place. We believe your Holy Spirit's here. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Jesus said to, to hear what the Holy Spirit says to the church. And today we're going to study your word again. 
third week in Ephesians 2. We're going to see the priceless cross of Jesus Christ. Open our hearts to hear it, to receive it, to understand it. The simple salvation that's written in your word. For God so loved the world, you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever, whether you're red, yellow, black, white, whether you're a pygmy, whether you're tall, whether you're short, whether you're, you're pretty or, or not so pretty, it doesn't matter. All we need is to receive you as our Savior and what you've done on that cross. Today, open our eyes and ears to hear all that, Lord, because we don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from you. So speak today loud and clear. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. He's laid my judges and crushed my enemies. Close the mouth of the lion. And because he did it, I can do it too. He's laid my judges and crushed my enemies. Close the mouth of the lion. conquered death. I don't know about you guys, but I've been on this kick. I hate death. I think I hated it since I was a little boy. But the last, I don't know, 20 years of death, I hate it. But Jesus conquered it. And it's no longer fearful. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Wow. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And for those online, we got a new audience now. I'm going to go through what I just said earlier. New audience, welcome. This is Freedom Church in Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We are glad you're there. If you're seeing us online, you're already on our website or our, our e- email or whatever they do call it. <laughs> Listen, it's freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org. And you can check out who we are, what we believe in, You can listen to messages from past services. You can even give online. There's a button that says Give Life, and you can give life. And I just said earlier here, you know, I got this magazine. This is Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. They were in in, in, uh, a country where I was, Vietnam. Vietnam. They were in Ho Chi Minh City. And 4,500 people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. A Buddhist country. The Word of God's got to Vietnam. You know what? The United States tried to protect Vietnam physically, but God got there spiritually. You know? One missionary said to me one time, he says, you know, we, we, we were in the Amazon River. We went to these, these small villages all, all along the way and preached the gospel. And... You know, they never heard of Jesus before. But the guy said to him, hey, how would you like something to drink? He says, sure. He goes in and gets a Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola got there, but Jesus Christ didn't. 
That's a disgrace. You can, we, the, church, the Christians need to support the church, not just Billy Graham Association, your local church. This is a call from God. We have been responsible to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, praise God. Fifty-two years ago, I was in Vietnam. This is Ho Chi Minh City. I prefer to call it Saigon. Americans try. Listen, there's a whole bunch of nations that need Jesus. India, Egypt, Australia, you name it. But Jesus is there. But the group is small. So we want to make the group bigger by having people make decisions to follow Christ. And it's that simple. Salvation isn't, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. The only thing you've got to do is believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross and he rode three days later. That's it. You're saved. You've got to really believe it. And because you believe it, you will do good works. You'll see a bum on the street, and you, you know, a guy looking for a job, he's got two arms missing or one leg missing, and you say, you got to help him. you got to give to him. Everywhere we go, we're your responsible. We're supposed to, I'm the Lord, as the Lord prayer says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is not for a bum to sleep under the bridge. God's will is not to keep quiet about what his son did on that cross. We just can't do it. There's tracks in the back, on the back table, one way to heaven and another one up there too. There's, there's in the seat in front of you, in the pocket, there's uh, little gospels. Believe it, it looks like something for 4th of July, which is coming up. You know what? This is a gospel of John. In the beginning, here's how John starts. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the Word was made flesh, in verse 14. Tells you right off the bat who Jesus Christ is. I don't see any followers, really, of, of, uh, of uh, what can I say, uh, Caesar today. You see any followers of Caesar? See any followers of, of uh, Nebuchadnezzar? No. You see, followers today of Jesus Christ. So, give. There's envelopes in the, f in the, in the uh, pocket. We do not take an offering. There's a boxes in the back. For those online, you can go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org. You're probably already there, freedomchurchpb.org, and you can give and to help uh, get the gospel to the, to the world. Okay, that's about it. And we gotta, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 again. This is the third week in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is a, is, a, is a godsend to the church today. You have these little flyers. If you, if you don't have one, raise your hand. Theron's going to give you one. We, I, we've been using this for two weeks so far. If you're missing it, or, you know, um, there's this thing. This is the outline for my study, okay? So it gives you all the major points, and you can write on the back or another note or side note somewhere. This is an extensive study that I've done. This, Like I said, this is the third week. I think we're going to be there five weeks. So this is the third week. That's how, how, how much God speaks. You say, God don't speak to me? 
pick up the Bible, read it, and God speaks to you. For, you know, the Bible actually says, in prior days, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks through his son. And his son is the word of God. He's the word that was made flesh, remember? So, he speaks to us through there. So read your Bible. You know, we're in chapter 2. I'm going to go through real quick last week. Well, last week, two weeks ago, I should say, you know, we were, two weeks ago, we, we talked about uh, what is priceless in this chapter alone. We see five priceless things. Five priceless things. The first one was, you are priceless. You are his creation. And you are priceless. His signature is on you if you've received him as your Savior. And you are a priceless, uh, priceless creation. We are his workmanship, says Ephesians 2, 10, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, we are priceless, priceless. Our soul is priceless, I went through. The soul is priceless. The soul that sins tells us here that it will die. The, you know, you see these on your flyer, by the way. Just follow me on down. Number four, we can have a rebirth or a resurrection, like Jesus was resurrected. We can have a new birth. Jesus told Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, you know, wanted to know how to get to heaven. He, says, he, said, he said that you must be born again. And Nicodemus is ready to pull his beard out. How can I be born again? That's impossible. Jesus is talking spiritually. He's not talking physical birth. You can't go back to your mother and have her rebirth you. You know what? He's talking about a spiritual resurrection. See, because we're, we're body, soul, and spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, 5.23 tells us, Let the word of God sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete until the coming of Christ. So we're a triune being, just like God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. First three verses of the Bible tell you about the Trinity. First of all, God hoovered over, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. Second verse, the Holy Spirit, who, you know, hoovered over the, over the face of the water. Point number three, the Lord said, let there be light. And who is the Word of God? Jesus Christ. You see, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in the first three verses of the Bible. So, listen, you can have a rebirth. What happens is your spirit is not alive. You're alive. You're a soul. Your soul is precious to God, and He wants you in heaven. Your soul is precious. So, you have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Your body is what you live in. You know that. Your soul is the one that God created. That's you. But your spirit is not alive yet. You're alive. You're walking around. You're a body and a soul. But you need to receive Christ as your Savior. You know, that is, that's it. You have a priceless resurrection. So when you receive Christ as your Savior, and Jesus said this, you must be born again to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was puzzled. These words are spiritual. Your spirit's got to come alive. And how does your spirit come alive? By believing in Jesus Christ who came, who died, who was buried. And then he sent the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at the same time because he's omnipresent as you read through the Bible. Jesus couldn't be there, as I said last week. If Jesus were literally in, in, or on earth in Jerusalem, you would spend 10 lifetimes trying to get to see Jesus. But you can see him right here, right now. You can see him in Australia and Vietnam and every other country in the world. I've been in a lot of countries in my life. And every country I was in, except Vietnam, I, you know, but that was 52 years ago. I didn't see a Christian. I didn't know a Christian. But every place I've been there since, I've seen run into Christians. Coca-Cola can get there. Jesus Christ can get there. And that's our job as a church, to provide finances to do it. Pastor don't pocket a lot of money, believe me. In the old days, they used to put a, pass the hat and they'd give him a chicken. You know? So, listen, your souls pray. We can have a rebirth. You must be born again. He didn't say, well, if you want to. He said, you must. I mean, it's a command. You must be. How do you do that? Just receive Christ as your Savior. Not with this, but with this. Not with your head, but your heart. You can have an ascension to a heavenly place. We will be raised up together with Jesus. We have a wonderful hope. We have hope. A lot of people don't have hope. We need hope today. Last week, we saw the priceless covenants. And I showed you that God gave covenants to, to many people in the Old Testament. He gave it to Adam. He gave one to Noah. He gave one to, to Melchizedek. He gave one to Abraham, Moses, Israel, David, and more. A, a covenant Jesus made for us. We took communion today. Jesus gave us a new covenant. He took the old covenant of the Ten Commandments and the other 603 commandments in that Bible, making 613, and he made, he made a new testament. That testament was a testament of, the Old Testament is a testament of, of death, really. If you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do this, you're going to die. But the New Testament gives us life as we remember what Jesus did for us. The new covenant is a covenant of life. And all the covenants in the Bible were made with blood. You know what? You look at the new covenant that Jesus did. What did you take to drink? Something to remember, remind you that of his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Wow. Bless the Lord. That's why the new covenant was instituted at the Last Supper. And now we have a new covenant. And when Jesus died, you know, we, we uh, put our faith in him and his resurrection, and you will be saved. And it's not like there's not history that backs it up. The Bible tells us that the, all the disciples saw Jesus. Many of the women saw Jesus after he was rose from the dead. Over 500 people saw Jesus, according to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 7. Paul says, even to me, he even revealed himself to me. I've seen Jesus. You know what? If you take that to a court of law, and somebody says, Jesus didn't walk on the earth, and 500 and some people got up. Let's see, 500, over 500, plus the disciples, plus the women, so that's probably 124. 524, and if they came up, they were called to the bench, 
and asked them why they think Jesus is living, and they would say, because I saw him alive. Even the, even the jury would agree that Jesus is alive. And we do today. He, he is alive. We were children of disobedience, and now we are, we were, the Bible says we're children of wrath, but God loves us, and he washed away our sins, so we've been healed if you put your faith in him. There's a covenant of grace and works. By grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. You can't do anything to save you, because if you think you can, you're saying Jesus' blood is worthless. Jesus' blood was shed on that cross. And when he drew his last breath, as that blood ran down across and hit the earth, the earth actually quaked. And the sky drew dark, probably lightning and thunder. I searched the scriptures to see if there was thunder and lightning. doesn't say anything about thunder and lightning. The veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, giving access to the Holy of Holies. And when you receive Christ as your Savior, you're, you can have access right to the throne of God all because of the new covenant. Not just the high priest once a year, but on everybody. The curtain is wide open from the holy place to the holy of holies. You can get on your knees. You can stand up. You can quiver. You can go right before God in prayer, and he will hear you. That's a promise. This covenant was sealed with Jesus' blood. Also, the new covenant, you know, joins people together. The disciples were all Jews. Now they're Christians. You see that? These Jews turned Christian. It's written in the book of Acts that they were called Christians at Antioch. Now they're Christians. They were called the way. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And listen to this, nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. That throws Buddha out, that throws Muhammad out, throws Hare Krishna out, throws Allah out. I am the way, said Jesus, I am the truth, said Jesus, and I am the life, said Jesus. And nobody, you say that's narrow, Jesus answered that path. He said in Matthew chapter 7, the way to destruction is broad, and many enter thereby, but the way to life is narrow, and few there are that find it. we got a world of 707 billion-plus people on the face of the earth. And you know what? The majority of them, I hope there's one billion Christians on the earth, but I don't think so. We need to make this country, this world, Christian and believe in Christ because it's the only way to salvation. You know, Buddha never claimed to be God. Muhammad never claimed to be God. But people worship him as God. And that's wrong. Jesus claimed to be God. He's the only one that proved it by walking out of the grave. And we got 500 plus people that saw him. And he remained on the earth for 40 days. And then he sent this Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which is 50 days later. A week later, the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120 in the upper room, and they began to speak with tongues. They began to prophesy, and people got saved. And all the people in Jerusalem at Passover, because it was Passover, all the people in Jerusalem for Passover, they could have been from Italy, they could have been from Europe, 
You know, they came and heard the gospel, and they took the gospel back to all these countries that they lived in, in the languages they heard. You know, awesome. You know what? God has a great plan. He has a great plan for even today to get the gospel into all the world. I personally think that we're holding it. It's, it's the church that's holding it back. We've got to cleanse ourselves in the blood of the Lamb, and we've got to believe what we heard Jesus say. Jesus is the Word of God. When you go open your Bible and you see the red writing, you say, well, Jesus is speaking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really treasure that, and that's true. But just all the rest of the Bible is black. You know what? Jesus is the Word of God, and that's true, too. The red, the black, the white, I don't care what your Bible is written in, this is the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, and Jesus is the Word, and He was made flesh. Today, on your papers, you can see that we are on, you have a priceless cross. We sang about it today. You have a priceless cross. Point number one, the cross demonstrates God's love. Here's what Ephesians chapter 2, 4 says. In which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I think I wrote a wrong verse, didn't I? Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, verse Chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. See, we're alive. The priceless cross demonstrates God's love towards us. And you know Romans 5, 8, if you've been a Christian any time, but God demonstrated. He didn't just talk about it. He demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, he didn't just talk about it. Jesus did it. Ephesians 2, 7. That the wages, that, that, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. See, that's Ephesians 2. And, of course, we know that... Um, in Acts chapter 2, we got God showing us his foreknowledge, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. God had this planned from the beginning. That's what it's saying. In John 3.16, you all know that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And all you got to do is believe in him, and you will not perish and have eternal life. Point number two, the cross could not, could not conquer Christ. We sang this today. The, the cross couldn't conquer Christ. You know, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, they thought for sure that, that he was dead. But they had a doubt because the Scripture said that Messiah would rise in three days. So they, they went to the Roman governor and asked him to put a guard there so that this wouldn't be uh, fakely done. And the guards were there. And when they saw the angels on Resurrection Sunday, they quivered 
And they stood like dead men because of the angels there. And these angels are, they stand in the presence of God, and God is light. And they probably glowed and show, you know, it's, it's morning time, okay? But these, these angels glowed brighter than, than the lights of the day. And they shook with fear. And the stone was rolled away. An angel rolled a stone away. One angel rolled the stone away. And Jesus wasn't in the tomb. He was already gone. The tomb was open so that we could know that Jesus rose from the dead. And he certainly did. The cross could not conquer Christ. The cross of Christ was not a defeat. The, the Jews thought it was a defeat. They finally shut this guy up. But it was not a defeat. It was a victory. As we know, Jesus conquered death by death. We sing it in song. The scripture tells us about it. The proof is that he rose from the dead. He conquered death by death. Hebrews 10.11 says this, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which he can take away, which can take away sins. But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. That's Hebrews chapter 10. Listen, we know he sat at the right hand of God because as we read Acts chapter 7, we know that Stephen was stoned for preaching the gospel. And when Stephen was stoned, the heavens were opened up, and there was Jesus standing at the throne of God. And he, you know, he wasn't sitting there anymore. He saw that one of his, his martyrs was being, his saints were being martyred, and he was standing. He was standing to show his, what can I say, grace and approval, and, th and Stephen, I'm real. I'm here. Jesus conquered death by death. We can read that in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, which uh, says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, that sin, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. See, he triumphed, uh, triumphed over death by death. The battle's already won, Christian. We've, the battle has already been won. Jesus won it at Calvary. You know what? We just fight the, the firefights, the, the skirmishes that go on. Like, like um, in, in the wars, a lot of times the, the, the Germans didn't know that Hitler surrendered. And they were still fighting because they hadn't heard the news. And once they heard the news, the battle was already won. Then they believed it. They had faith. And they believed the war was over. The same thing with us. We need to believe the war is over. Jesus conquered it at the cross. I just read Colossians 2, 14 and 15. He conquered, it at the, he conquered death at the cross. All we have to do is have faith and believe it. Romans 8, 37 says, We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know what? You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror because it's already been conquered. 
So you're more than a conqueror. I think that ad- adjective is a better description. You're more than a conqueror. And then there's, that goes on to say, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, no other creature can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's why a lot of Christians, they'll get run over with steamrollers, they'll be shot because they believe. On the cross, Christ made a sacrifice. Ephesians 2, 13 through 16, let me read it to you. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances so as to create in him create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace see what jesus did on the cross he brought us near to god we couldn't get there remember if you took the temple which is a picture of of uh, eternal life really that curtain was torn and now you can go into the holy holies he brought us near to the holy place, the holy of holies, by the blood of Christ, who abolished the flesh, the enmity, the law of commandments that are against us. We're supposed to obey the commandments, but if you sin on one of those commandments, you're not going to hell because of this verse. He has abolished in our flesh the enmity. He created a new man from, from the two. And it goes on to say, to reconcile them both in one body. The Jews and the Christians come together because they believe, if they believe in Messiah. So you've got Jewish people that believe in Messiah, and they are one with us in Christ. The ones that outside, the Jewish people, the Hindu people, the Buddhist people, the ones that do not put their faith in Jesus Christ, saying that his blood is unholy, that's what they're saying. His blood isn't good enough. I got to do something. So that's pride. Jesus already did it. The Bible's clear. I back up I can back it up with hundreds of scriptures. And you know it's true. Jesus is the only way to heaven. On the cross, Jesus made this sacrifice. So the Christ is the, the cross is priceless. That's why all the denominations will have a cross on it their place. They're Christian. They believe. But some people really don't believe. You have congregations out there that people show up, but they don't really believe. They say, oh, I believe, yeah, Jesus died and rose from the dead, but it, it's coming from here, not here. God doesn't look at the outward part of man. He looks at the, the heart, and we need to know that. Has your heart received Christ as, his, as your Savior? Without the cross, Ephesians 2, 3 says, we would be children of wrath. Without the cross, Ephesians 2, 12 says, we would be without hope in the world. We actually mean 
priceless sacrifice of Christ and his body and blood. The priceless sacrifice of Christ's body and his blood. His body is for our physical healing. The stripes on his back, all the stripes on his back were to be healed. You read that in Isaiah 53. By his stripes we are healed. You can read that in 1 Peter 2.24. By his stripes we were healed. So there's healing in the body of Christ. Say So believe it. You can be healed. I've seen many people healed. I've seen more people not healed. But there's hope that you can be healed. And that's why we call people to the altar to be prayed over, that they might be healed. His blood is given for our spiritual healing. 1 Peter 2.24, I just said it. Who his, who his own self bear our sins in his, in his own body, on the tree or the cross, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Isaiah says, 750 B.C., Isaiah says, we are healed. Peter says, we were healed. That covers the whole area, that whole area, from the prophecy fulfilled, which is the cross, in Isaiah 53, from the cross to, to now and continued into to the rest, uh, rest of the age, we are saved. We can be healed physically, and we can be healed spiritually. And you know what God prefers? Spiritual healing. He'd rather you be crippled, but not be crippled in spirit. Your spirit's alive. That's why Jesus, you know, told a lot of people, you know, do you want to be healed? You would have to give, yes, I want to be healed. Do you want to be healed? If you're sitting there saying, God doesn't heal me, your God's a little small. You don't limit God. With God, all things are possible. All things, not some things, all things. So get over it and believe. But only God knows. So, you know, there's, you gotta, you got to be careful with that because you can... Um, you can actually turn pe people in the other direction, but it's got to be done. It's got to be taught. And this is what I'm upset with the church, that we need to, not this church, but the church, universal church in whole, you know, that we need to learn and grow in the grace and knowledge of God. A lot of churches don't even quote the Bible. A lot of churches don't read the Bible. A lot of people don't read the Bible in their homes. It's mostly for decoration. Um, let's see, number four, the cross canceled the debt against us. Ephesians 2.15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself the twain one new man. That Greek word abolished, is ego, which means abolished. It means to destroy, to cancel out, and to cease. Having God has ceased having let me use better. God has canceled in his flesh the enmity, 
even the law of the commandments of ordinances against us. He canceled it out. He abolished it. Know this, though. The law has a problem. It alienates. It separates us from God. The law of Moses separated a lot of people from God. You know, they didn't believe it when it came out of Egypt. Forty years they had to stay in the desert because they were of unbelief. A whole new generation needed to go into the promised land. That whole new generation needed to have faith. I think that's a principle today. Really, I think the generation that follows my generation is, is hard-hearted. And I think the next generation, if you look at it, I can see it in this church. The next generation is going to be hard-hearted. The object is to get more people to believe during those generations and bring them into, really, uh, the faith. Bring them in. But the next generation, this generation that follows my generation, I feel sorry for them. They have no hope. They believe in themselves. And that's it. Take a look. If you're a grandma and you go to your children's house and look at the walls in their house, I'll bet you there's no pictures of you on the wall. It's all them. Because they forgot you. It's a me generation. It's all about me. I, do, I look at our walls on my own children. No pictures of me and Liz. It's all them. Not just one wall, but several walls. If you look at our walls, we got everybody. Everybody in the family in a picture on the wall by the bathroom. Everybody. We didn't leave anybody out. But they left the ones out who begat them. They forgot about you, so they're going to forget about what you said to them as you were growing, being hopefully trained in the knowledge of God. I look around. I know some of these people. They're, they're, they're young. They're, they've been raised in a Christian home, a believing Christian home. And like they're, they're like lost. It's all about me. And if it's all about you, you know what? Where's God? Where's God? The devil, therefore, has been defeated at the cross because Jesus paid our debt for sin. Here's the gospel's solution. There was a sufficient sacrifice for the sins, past, present, and future, and that's Jesus. I just, I just read in Colossians 2, 14 and 15. I'll read 13. 2, 13. And you being dead in your trespasses in uncircumcised scission of your flesh, he has made alive together with him forgiven all, you all, you're all trespass. He has forgiven you. The gospel will forgiven you. He forgive your trespasses if your name your faith in Christ. He blots out the handwriting of the ordinance that is against you, which is the law, the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, which is contrary to us. He took it out of the way, so you can say bye bye to condemnation. And he nailed it to the cross. And now we live under grace. The number five, the cross allowed sinners to be reconciled to God. It doesn't matter what, you, what kind of sinner you were. 
It doesn't matter if you were a mass murderer, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've got to understand, the blood that hit the ground, the blood that we drank as a memorial to Christ's shed blood for the remission of sins. You know, there we can, we can be saved. People can be reconciled to God no matter what you did by putting your faith in Him. Because that blood was not like, you know, I punched in my finger this week, I was cutting something up and just the heel of the knife hit my thumb. My blood was shed. My blood is not holy. Your blood is not holy. But that blood that was shed on the cross, this is the blood of Almighty God who was made flesh to dwell among us. And if you say it's unholy, you're stamping, you're trampling on the blood of Christ like it's nothing. The blood of Christ saves me. You know, I sin every day and I sit there and say, God, please have mercy on me. I know you have mercy on me, but I'm so sad because I keep on doing it. I need your help to get rid of it. But I know I'm saved. But I, when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I, was, I, I don't want him to say, I know, I believe he'll say, well done, good my fa and faithful servant. But Joe, this sin you did not conquer. And I'll just please him. And it'll make me sad in the kingdom of heaven. But he washes my tears away. But I want, to, I want him to be first. And it's hard. You know that. You're fighting the same battle I am. Lewis actually quoted the verse over here in, first, in, uh, in Galatians 5, and I'll read it to you. 5.13, I believe it is. I'm in 4. Well, I'm in Colossians. Sorry. What did I say it was? Ephesians 5, 6, 13. Lewis actually quoted it. I'm in Ephesians. Why am I doing that? I'll find it. Galatians 5, 13. For you, brethren, that's the saints, have been called to freedom. Only, you've been called to freedom. Only, you're given a, uh, a requirement here, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to gratify your flesh. And that's what we do. That's what I do. I want rid of it. And I'm going to get rid of it eventually through Christ. Actually, I need delivered from it. Don't, don't fear that word. We need delivered from our sins. That's what Jesus came to do. So if you want to go to a ministry of deliverance, do it. Ephesians 2, 13 through 17. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off are made near by the blood of Christ, that he might reconcile you to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity that, that we had with him. The war that's going on. We must be obedient to the gospel. And how can you do that? By being born again. To have your sins forgiven. For God is faithful. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. 
And here's the Greek word uh, pretense. He is faithful and just to continually wash your sins away. So somebody asked me just a week ago or so, he said, um, how did they say it? They say, what if Jesus comes back and I'm sinning? Listen, I can guarantee you when Jesus comes back, if there's one billion saints on the face of the earth, I would bet you one billion, no, point nine 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 five Christians will be sinning when Jesus comes back. You could be telling a lie. You could be thinking something horrible. You know what? You're going to heaven because the blood of Christ continually washes away your sin. That's the Greek tense of the verb used in First, First Corinthians uh, uh, nine. First, what is it? Sorry. First, First Corinthians one nine. All right. First Corinthians. Hey. Okay. Confess our John one nine. First Corinthians or First John one nine. If you confess your sins, he will continually wash away your sins. Because if he don't do that, you you better draw your last breath right there, right then. He has mercy on us. But we love him so much we want to please him, don't we? I do. I get upset at myself all the time. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, I have delivered to you a message of first importance that I myself received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared, and that, you know, that he was buried and was raised the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to me, Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brethren. Listen, 40 over 40, a period of 40 days, these people all saw Jesus. You know, if, a, if we were in one area, like in the woods, and 530-some people told you they saw Bigfoot, would you want to take your kids on vacation there? <laughs> no, you, you know why you wouldn't do it? Because you would know Bigfoot lives there. And you don't know if he's good or bad. You wouldn't go there. Paul's telling you, 500 and some people are telling you, Jesus rose from the dead, and he hung around for 40 days. And then on the 50th day Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on the people, 120 in the upper room. It's all planned. Jesus says it's expedient that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come because he can be here and there and everywhere on the globe, but Jesus would have to be stuck in Jerusalem. And you couldn't find a flight, I can guarantee you, to Jerusalem. Maybe if you were president of the United States, they might give you priority. But you and I, we're just people. And you'll never get there. Ten lifetimes, I guarantee you, you'll never be able to get there. 
Obedience to the gospel is putting your faith in Christ's sufficiency, sufficient sacrifice. You didn't do it. He did it. If you said, I, got, I, I, I need to do it, I need to do this, and say, you're saying Jesus' blood wasn't good enough. So you have to light a candle. You have to uh, be somewhere every Thursday or whatever, you know. His sacrifice was sufficient. He cleanses our sins if we confess it to him, and he washes, continually washes them away. Because you're covered with the blood of Christ, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. When the Father looks down from heaven upon you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the seal of the Holy Spirit. He sees the blood of Christ, and he knows, since Jesus is our intercessor, our lawyer, our advocate, that is telling God the Father that we are saints of God. So put all your faith in Christ, not in your good works, but you need to do good works. Paul told Peter that Jesus saved us, not on the basis of the deeds we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. You're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, Ephesians 2.8. You're saved by grace and the blood of Christ, by the blood of Christ. That's as simple as it gets. And the church makes it so hard, so hard. The simple message is that Paul says to the church, I delivered to you a message of first importance. Christ died according to the scriptures, Christ was buried according to the scriptures. Christ rose according to the scriptures the third day. That's it. You're saved. Not with this, but with this. Have you really done it in your heart? And if your heart has done it, you will do more good works than you ever did trying to do it in the flesh. It will be more meaningful to God also. Number six. No, let's stay at number five here. We must receive Christ. He was in the world. Oh, here's what, here's what John says. He was in the world. The world was made by him. Who made the world? Jesus. Who said, let there be light in Genesis 1-3? Jesus, the word of God. First three verses of the Bible. He was in the world, Jesus. The disciples were walking with Almighty God. Whew, get that picture. He was in the world. The world was made by him. The world did not know him, but as many as received him, he gave you the right to become a child of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Even to those who believe in his name. I think that's referring to, that's written in the King James, the New American Standard, even to those who believe in it. I think that even gives, that word even gives grace, saying that even if you're uh, receive Christ and mean it, and yet you do nothing. You, by the words, you just squeak into the kingdom of heaven. God loves you. He don't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to be saved. So I think he gives grace that we can't imagine. But because you love him, do your best. Do your best. 
That's why John says in 1 John 1, 1, he says, we heard him, we touched him. You know, let me read it. I love that verse, 1 John. 1 John 1, 1. That which was in the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands, and have handled concerning the word of life. They saw him. They walked with him. They looked at him. Their hands touched him. And Paul's writing, I got this message of first importance to you. You must receive Christ, really. World, do it. It's not so hard. If you can't do it, ask God for the courage to do it and the power to do it. It's in Christ. Number five, the last point, and I'll stop. The cross breaks down barriers between people. And I read it in 2.14 of Ephesians. For he is our peace who has made both one, the Gentile and the Jew. The Gentile and the Jew have been made one. And you know what? Most Christians love the Jewish nation. We're told to bless those who... That Israel, in Genesis 12, 1, you know, that he will bless those who bless Israel. He will curse those who curse Israel. So usually the Christians are, are, are Jewish believers. You know, they believe in the Jews. We want the Jews to come to know Christ. We had many of them here that would turn to Christ. We're half Jewish. Um, you know, they, he made them one. Satan tries to, he can't divide them anymore because they believe in Christ. So what, you know what he does, I think? You might not like this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. He has the Christian denominations divided. Divided. Because he can't separate the Jews that receive Christ and the Christians. So he, he causes denominations in the church. And this one, this one, they all believe in Christ. If you look at their doctrine, Catholic doctrine, different doctrines, doctrine here, you'll find out they believe in Christ and he's the only way to heaven. But the devil comes and, well, I'm a, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, but you don't believe in, in healing. So this Christian gets mad at that healing because he believes in healing and you don't. I'm going to tell you what, the believer that don't believe in healing, he'll probably never get healed because it takes faith. So now the Christians are divided with one another. I watch it online all the time. I watch this preacher cutting down that preacher. Here, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that we are to really walk together even though we don't believe. And we, we have different belief, beliefs. Because our, 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 our main belief is in the rock of Jesus Christ. But we fight over different things in the church, and I believe that's the demonically inclined. Now the churches are divided against one another. And that's not good. And that slows down the growth of Christianity in the, in the entire world as far as I'm concerned. So he broke down the middle wall of separation. He broke down, there's no longer slave or Jew, or slave or, or master, there's no longer um, woman and man. 
There's one man. We're all men. A lot of times when you see men in the Bible, it would be more accurately, uh, accurately portrayed as mankind. Because woman, there is no, there is no male, there is no female anymore. There's no slave, and there's, and there's no, um, no slave and no land owner. You know what I mean? We're all one now. We're all one. I talked to you about. If you don't believe that, read the book of Philemon. It's only like 22 verses. You can probably read it in 25 seconds. And you can read it and see. That was a whole demonstration of how, how two enemies could come together in Christ and forgive each other for their whatever they did to one another. That's what the church needs to do. It needs to be forgiven. Jews and Gentiles are now one, and the churches in the world today should, should be one. So I see on the internet this guy picking on this guy. I call them, I call them brother haters. And I see a lot of them. This this pastor will knock this pastor down, that pastor will knock that pastor down, that pastor will knock him down, and and they're divided, but yet they believe in Jesus. Why? Because he believes in healing and you don't. He believes in tongues, but you don't. He believes uh, that this and that, you know. It's, it's stupid. It's wrong. We are one in Christ, and we need to move that way. So that's what Ephesians 2 says. Next week. So now, with it so far, we saw the priceless creation that you are. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Ephesians 2.10. We saw, we saw la- two weeks ago the priceless covenant. We have a new covenant. We celebrated it today. By putting your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. We saw today the cross, the priceless cross. Without this cross, there would be no Christianity. It would be wiped from the face of the earth. You know what? If Christ weren't, weren't real, there would be no Christmas. There would be no New Year's. There would be no wreaths, wreaths hanging. There would be no church bells ringing. Realize, you take Jesus out of the earth and Gee, this is going to be a, you think it's a mess now? What will we do without the teachings of Jesus? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are this, blessed are that. You know, where, where would we be? This, this whole Bible wouldn't exist without Jesus. He's mentioned from Genesis 1-3 all the way to Revelation 22. Without Jesus, you know, tell you what, since hell is the absence of Jesus, absence of God, we would be living in hell. Hate to be so blunt, but it's true. Take Jesus out of the world, and man, what a mess this place would be. You would, you would say, I can do anything I want. Man will do whatever's in his heart, and you think they're evil now? Wait, because that's something like that happens. Anyway, that's about it. We're going to look at the priceless church next week. The priceless church. Father, today, we, I pray, Lord, that anybody out there over the Internet or here today, and they haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that they will receive Christ as their Savior today without hesitation, without 
head knowledge, but with heart knowledge, knowing that you are Lord. And all they got to do is ask you in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all.